Welcome to the end of the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> episode hashtag. Hashtag it's the end of the world. End Welcome. Of the world. OMG. End of the world. How have you been? It's been a long time. Shouldn't have left you. Left hey, you. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've been fine. I've been good, actually. Um, I get my uh, second vaccine shot next week. Or, or a week after that, on whenever the 17th is. Um, so I'm super psyched about that um, and the possibility of having a, a hot quarantine summer. I guess you can have <laughs> a hot quarantine or to getting together with my other vaccinated right. friends and actually being able to talk to someone other than my dog and my husband. I feel <laughs> you. <laughs> I, na- I now qualify. The bar is very low. <laughs> evidently um to get a vaccine however i could not get my vaccine because the dc system crashed i heard about that yes i heard there were like of all the technology that we have access to is very discouraging that we still didn't know that it would crash (laughs) you said that we didn't know I think they knew. I don't what? I don't know. I think that people know that these things are going to do th- they just hope that it doesn't happen. Do you see what I'm saying? You know how could have it not have been popular? How why would people not want to sign up? Like there have been like people in DC like literally waiting in line to see if there's going to be extra vaccines at the end of the day, like literally every place where they've been giving it. But the numbers are staggering still. Like to think that we were in the, we were in the house hunkering down for one person that was infected in our whole ward six, right. This time last year to now, you know, there being so much more than there was and the the response to open and close yeah it's just yeah i was so paranoid about two people deemed a hot spot (laughs) maryland was deemed a hot spot at this time last year right (laughs) right and there are states that are saying don't you know that whole mass thing don't worry about that we have gotten through a year you don't have to worry about that mask anymore it's just it's crazy it's crazy to me if you if you don't pay attention to to history then you're doomed to repeat it this is why social studies oh yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um i told you i've been watching all this pbs and this story about marion stokes who was way ahead of her time and a lot of people thought she was crazy but she recorded over 70,000 tapes. When these tapes are like eight, 12 hour VHS tapes, right? Of recording the news. And they've been, since been able to digitize that stuff. And basically what, when people started analyzing the data that came out of digitizing this, there were clear themes in her archiving she was a library why, why was she recording she was just recording it for posterity's sake like, yes yes for, for that and for, and for her own like her own career she was also 
um, a host of a, a public access TV show. So she really needed to consume all this information to be able to have these conversations mm. on her show. And the themes that came out were like healthcare and housing and police brutality. It was just like, the more things change, it's just another reminder, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Um, and so, you know, it's just this constant struggle. We, we really have to not get caught up in the moment and really like step out big picture and see the little things that we can do. And everybody thought she was crazy for doing this, right? Like everybody thought that, um, people doing radical things would be were, were crazy right and now it's like not such a crazy idea like $15 an hour right <laughs> right <laughs> right nobody no. was wearing masks this time of year now people yeah. doubling up on masks I don't even think we'll ever get to a world where we don't wear masks anymore I was like to not have to worry about the cold or the flu or anything like that's I don't know this is the first this is my first year ever that I have never had a cold Mm. (laughs) not me that's amazing i didn't get a cold or anything so yeah so you you were not properly protecting yourself you need to you need to go back and evaluate your procedures i had a sinus to the grocery store well no what got me sick different though yeah it was a sign well i didn't know it was sinus infection because you know everything man you went and got (laughs) your covid test yeah right everything has flu-like symptoms um, or lots of obviously things. I'm gonna say everything, but um, lots of diseases have flu-like sy- symptoms, and you know, with all of the hype, you couldn't help but wonder. And then I'm sitting there for two days. My fever is gone. I am back to normal, and I'm like, I was walking around four days ago in my mama's house, no <laughs> mask, right? yeah and i just think like of course this thing is spreading like it is because there's such a wait there's such a lag time between when it was recommended to go because you can't go and get a COVID test unless you have two days without a fever and so at least that's what the guidance was from my healthcare yeah, provider yeah. online so i had followed that and, and there's got- and in the beginning you couldn't even get one unless you had like symptoms but i think that has to do with the more so like in the beginning people didn't know nothing about anything as, as they would say in the south so it's such a novel thing that people were making stuff up as they were going along or like literally what I is still, it we use an education build the plane while we're flying it kind yes of i still feel like that it's still we're still building the plane because you know there's a lot of we're still building the plane. yeah we're still building this plane this COVID plane um because <laughs> yes plane. because fauci's been in i mean fauci's been in the news every single day but recently um he was getting flack because a, of a japanese study that came out and said double masks are no more effective than one man one very well fitted mask so we getting all kinds of message right texas says no masks uh fauci says two masks and japan is like you good with the one right so <laughs> like they're not saying that but you know what I mean like at least somebody did the research at least somebody did the research because everybody like I I when I see lawmakers doubling up on masks I feel like I had to follow suit right like I've had my little COVID scare and I don't want to have to like uh yeah have to worry about that right and wait two three days and then when I did like did I kill my mama I don't know okay 
Okay. Like, right. That's a lot of stress. Right. For two, uh, yes. And I'm like, she, I didn't even want to call her and tell her that because I was like, I should just wait. Her. Yeah. Yes. I was like, I should just wait until I get tested and then I'll do it. But she knew I was sick. So yeah, it was a whole conversation. Yeah. So after waiting for two days and then finally being able to get my COVID test, I walked all the way and through that health center before I got the test. Um, so that concerned me, and then, <laughs> but they, you know, I gotta, I gotta trust the experts. Yes. I gotta trust the experts. And then when I did get tested, it was in a tent outside. You could tell that that had been the same tent that was rolled out a year ago. And my, my, I just started scratching my head and was real confused. Like I was more concerned that I was getting tested outside in a tent with my coat on. And I'm like, we hadn't figured out in a year how to do this all in one place. You know what I mean? Or like, why, why did I need to go inside? <laughs> or, you know, what did I, I don't know. It was just very confusing. It was a very confusing ordeal to, to one, have to get sick and realize it's a sinus infection. And then two, to um, have this cognitive dissonance about, I just, I was in the center. Now I'm outside the center in this tent look like it's been here a whole year like there's no other place inside to help protect our healthcare workers from the elements yeah and anybody else getting tested could I have gotten to this without walking through the entirety of the of the center you know I felt like that tent was about to blow away you know I it was it was it was interesting um I was very very grateful to get a test and having and have access to the test I still had to drive there I, you know, it just makes me think about people who can't, who can't shelter in place in a safe way. Like, you, you know, it's just, you, yeah. you explained your situation, you, and it's just you, you and your husband, right? Like <laughs> one teacher and another educator have to figure things out like this. My healthcare provider is still trying to figure out or still taking tests and tents. I, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't ready for, I wasn't ready for that. Once again, it's just the fact that they just, they just didn't know. Is around this time last year that I got diagnosed with cancer, and even even then I didn't even know it was cancer. It was like uh, I had gone, I had had some stomach issues like since January, and I just thought I had eaten at the food, wrong food truck. Um, mm. <laughs> I had just chosen the wrong place to eat lunch, but it didn't seem to go away, and so. Um, my doctor, Dr. Co just kept sending me for tests. And, uh, when I had my colonoscopy, uh, they discovered there was a mass. And so, uh, they were concerned that, you know, this is when COVID was like, literally the week that everything shut down is when they found this mass. And they were just like, well, we better do something about it. Cause we don't know how long we're going to be shut down. Right. And, you know, this thing could close your intestines up and so um went for surgery and that was weird um because it was once again we nobody knew what was going on so it's like you know my husband came in with me he dropped me off and uh they got me ready and he was able to say like goodbye and then I went back in the room uh got part of my intestines cut out and then uh I think they eventually as I as I recall let him come back to see me he stayed there for a couple of hours and then he had to leave and 
I didn't see him again until I got like picked up. But the whole time that I was there, I never saw a room like a hospital room uh, because COVID was so bad. Um, Like it like had erupted and all the hospital rooms were filled with COVID patients. And so they had already cut back all the surgeries. So there were only like maybe five surgeries going on a day, which is like really rare for a hospital. They're like normally doing like hundreds of surgeries, but it was like me and another woman who had had the exact same surgery and like some other guy that was like down in the recovery area for like three days like literally sharing bathroom doing sponge baths <laughs> like, walking around in hospital gowns because it was just like there was nowhere else to go nothing else to do but like sit there and watch tv there was you know because you just mm-hmm. couldn't go to a room or anything like that but it was um the nurses were getting different instructions like literally every day so like you just didn't know what your nurse was gonna look like when they turned up like wow. you know when the first day they were in scrubs and then the next day they got some like um rule that they had to be in these like paper like gowns or something yeah. like that so the next day they were in like paper gowns and then the next day they were back in scrubs and the other day they were <laughs> it was just and they were I mean it caused a lot of frustration you know um as a part of my surgery, I had to kind of like walk around, you know, heal thyself type of thing. <laughs> but like, uh, I would pass, there was this one room, like it was like a storage room and I would pass it and you could hear them fighting with each other, like oh, nurses wow. fighting with each other about like stuff that was happening. Um, you know, sometimes people were getting placed places where they didn't feel comfortable like they weren't trained in that area or they had never been in that area before like they were getting shifted around you know to places they had never been or in areas where they did they didn't know where literally like where stuff was because they had never like worked in that area so it was just everybody was like really just um scared I want to say and very frustrated because you know it's you know, like the literal last place you want to be with regards to fear of the unknown. I was like, no one knows what's going on. Like, get me out of here. <laughs> I don't want to be here. Because it was literally, you know, I'm, I'm a big horror movie. Um, and this is how yeah. things start. Like, this, this, is, this is how things start. I was ready to go. I can um, imagine if the nurses were... getting upset with each other I can imagine what everybody else like this the cleaning staff because my mom's friend um is over 65 and would get called in to work on the COVID floors and she would have to call out every single time because she's like there's no vaccine yet and you got the 65 and up on the COVID floor (laughs) no I'm calling in so you know if their workforce happened to be older I can imagine it being just a lot of emotions and a lot of just angst. Yeah. But I mean, like it was, <laughs> there was like one girl and God bless her. Cause she was, you know, young or whatever, but they, I needed some like chloride or something like that. And for some reason she decided to put it in my hand. It's like concentrated, like salt water. <laughs> Which is something you probably wouldn't put in somebody's hand as an IV. And so I'm just like, I was like, ma'am, my hand is on fire. <laughs> like, 
me. You know, she was like new <laughs> to, the, to the to the area. She was just like, well, this is what the doctor, you know, the doctor ordered. She just didn't know to like maybe the ham wouldn't be the best place to like put it. And so anytime that anybody said anything about like chloride, it was just like, or anything, I would be like, Do you have a pill I can take? Because <laughs> I was like, because I just can't. I, I I've I've been through enough. I don't right. <laughs> so put nothing, don't put no more holes up in me, okay? Right. <laughs> just just do you have a pill I can swallow? I could do that. And of but, course, um, my mind wants to run to race. Like, were they just thinking that you could handle it? Well, no. Or it was it what? was literally like people 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 were down there that had not been down there like the people that were there had never dealt with had never worked in this part of like the hospital like it was just when I'm saying like they were rotating staff and and changing staffing around like it was just like literally they were fighting over well you just asked me to do this and I have never done this in my life Um, and I just think that and they were having like these conversations in front of us too that's how you knew it was bad she was just like I have literally never done this in my life and so if somebody would like to show me how to do this then that's (laughs) I would really appreciate that and the woman was just like looking at her like you really saying this and she was like I'm just being honest with you (laughs) right do you really want with all this going on do you want somebody i'm being honest with you i haven't but it was just like like chaos like it was controlled chaos like nobody was running around screaming but it was just like i don't know expedite my um discharge please i was yes i was ready to go but yeah even like when i got out or whatever you know i i think uh, thankfully i had had a lot of uh sick time that I hadn't taken up so I didn't have to deal with a lot of the stuff of like figuring out out how to work yet because people were you know I think people were still thinking that we were gonna go back yeah like it was just that whole oh this is just gonna go this is just gonna be a couple of weeks and it should have been be back you know we're just been. gonna go for a couple of weeks and so I, I legit thought like, okay, so I get to take this month off and this is good because, you know, right. work, work hasn't been figured out. So I won't be that much behind. And then um, I had a follow-up with the surgeon and they had taken out my lymph nodes that are around that area. And they were like, oh yeah. So, you know, there were some cancerous cells and some of your lymph nodes. And so you're going to have to do chemo and that was a very different process also um chemo uh, during covid so not only do you now have covid your exposure again over and over and over again again but i mean like chemo is a very like delicate situation in itself like cancer is very like personalized like everybody is very um everybody's body is different so everybody's right. body kind of reacts in different ways and you know according to the oncologist like you know this medication isn't like a lot of other medications that you'll see people on so you know you don't really have to worry about losing your hair or stuff like that beyond talking to him there wasn't like a nobody gave me like a book like <laughs> right a, cope, a cope, any coping strategy <laughs> 
or anything. There wasn't, you know, because of the aloneness, I want to say, of the situation, uh, they really limited like your interactions with people. And so even before I even could start the, the chemo, I had to take a COVID test just because I would be in the room with other right. immune compromised people. So um, normally they say that, you know, a friend would come with you and you would be able to just hang out with your friend while you were getting your, your infusions and stuff like that. And it wasn't like that at all. Like everybody had to be there alone. Right. So no matter your age or anything like that, we were all in there like alone, like literally behind a curtain. I was on the phone with my sister the first time it happened because I just didn't know what to expect. And she just happened to call me because she knew it was happening. Mm -hmm. Your nerves, like your nerves dying. It's like neuropathy. Wow. So it's just like you become like really sensitive to like cold and stuff like that. And so um, I don't know. I just got weaker and weaker every time I had an infusion. And like the last one, I remember going to sleep. Mm. because I was just so sick well just like drained just like so tired I remember them waking me up to take the the thing out you know they're just like oh you want to ring the bell it's your last you know it's your last one and so they give you like I don't know what what us Americans have with like ringing bells as to like when we (laughs) they made (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they made me do that when I like tried on I guess like my wedding dress you know how you're like oh you found the one ring the bell like why why am I <laughs> it fits it looks good this is the one I'm buying <laughs> I need to ring a bell it's so you can let everybody else know <laughs> and y'all still like, doing oh, this and I'm done <laughs> rub it in the other people's face <laughs> You it in other people's faces. Or celebrate, I don't know the difference. <laughs> but <laughs> seem like your level of pettiness. Right, um, right, right, right. Americans always gotta Yes. Right. We always gotta side a pettiness. Uh, yeah, so a little a petty slant. So I could ring the bell and um they like took picture of me like ringing the bell because you know I'm like by myself so they had to t- they had to take the picture for me and then um yeah and then it was over and then after that it was just like okay now I have to try and get back to normal but I have to try and get back to normal during COVID chemo like really weakened me like I would walk from one end to the house to the other and get completely winded and like it was just like my muscle tone went to zero getting up everything was just seemed laborious um I didn't eat a lot just because I was just too tired I was just too tired to eat and so like even like the expectations of like going back to work the chemo would like turn my brain to mush like I was just like forget I, I would forget a lot of things even like words and I think I, to some degree I still have that like <laughs> I feel like my my manager and my coworkers are like used to playing like uh charades with me like trying to figure out like what I'm saying um you say all that but I don't feel like you ever lost what? anything last year first of all now I don't know we didn't maybe touch base as often as we probably could have last year but I feel still like you like once you told me I was like 
superhero like or you know just superhuman because of all of the things you were able to still continue to do like there was I mean I, th- I don't think I knew until the end of the year like that you were going through all of this and well, I'm like I th- what? You know, I think we it did took- so much stuff it's <laughs> like why why what I didn't want it to I didn't want to burden people with it I didn't want to it was I mean we're in a freaking pandemic know, people are people are losing their parents they're losing their brothers, their sisters, their jobs, their houses. Like, like while this thing that's bad might be happening to me, like the world was ending for a lot of people in a lot right. of different ways. And so it was just like, I don't, I didn't want people to worry about me when they, when there was so much to worry about. I think it also like gave me time to kind of like process what, what was going on and what was, what was I going to do about it? Cause I felt like there were lots of points where I could have just been like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to make it or, um, you know, throw myself pity parties. And I think that was another thing is that I just didn't want people to feel not, not like feel sorry for me, but like to be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry this is happening. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just don't want, I don't want people, I don't want people to, I don't want to be looked at as a victim, I think mm. is more so the thing. Like, it Did was you, just like, if you're, if we're going to talk, I was like, you can be sorry. You can be sorry for me for, for five minutes. You'll get, but you can get five minutes to be sorry for me, but then we're going to have to push through. We're going to have to move on. Cause that's, I mean, that's all yeah. I can do. So that's all you can do too. So we're gonna get <laughs> we're gonna get through this <laughs> like you 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 <laughs> comforting you comforting me or everybody else like yeah. that's that's the irony of this do, do you feel stronger you know I, as you were telling this I'm like is that whole what doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of thing is that like a metaphor uh, that, I definitely 20 yes but I think it just makes me feel grateful like okay. just appreciative of what my body was able to do. I know that's right. Thank you. Like, that I was able to be that it carried, like it literally carried me. Like they say that chemo either cures you or it kills you. And, I, and that's what I just literally felt like my life was just being sucked away. And I was just mm. like a barely functioning human. And it like carried me through that. And so it was just like, I lost like 20 pounds or something like that and some so it was just and it was all muscle like I said I didn't have any muscle tone so it was just I was just really grateful to come out through the other side and just be like not be mad at myself but be more aware that I need to take better care of myself like for years I had been putting work first or other people first or other situations first then it was just like you know if I had paid attention or paid more attention in January when my stomach was hurting like maybe it wouldn't have gotten as far as it did or maybe I wouldn't have had to have chemo you know so it was just like I just need to pay better attention to like what my body is telling me so when stuff is off like I need to like really be reflective and like reset and things like that so it's really taught me to make work less of a priority like today like I have a I have a ton of stuff to do for work like I'm I feel like I'm in a constant state of being behind 
But mm-hmm. and in the past, I would have I would have been like, oh, it's Sunday, so I'll go ahead and get started on some work stuff so <laughs> that I can. I, I right. literally would have been like that, like educator, I, right? You've been like, oh, well, it's Sunday, so let me go ahead and get started with some work stuff so that I can right. get on top of these things and you know, start checking stuff off my list. And now, now it's like, it's Sunday. And even though, you know, there's a lot of stuff, you know what there's going to be a lot of stuff tomorrow and it's going to be a lot of stuff the day after that. And so it's just like, you know, take care of your house, pay your bills, take your dog for a walk, you know, like take care of yourself. It's definitely made me refocus on that. And I think another thing is just like, do not pay so much attention to that, to the scale right because now that I'm like on the other end of this like I'm I'm pretty much the same weight that I was last year but I'm a completely different dress size right and so it's just you know like it's just a measure of mass so it doesn't we we learn this there's no but it doesn't it the degree of like you know, density, there's no, there's nothing that is accounting for the degree of how dense certain parts of your body are, aren't. And so it's just like, it's just a measure of mass. And it's just like, you spent so many years, like being obsessed with that scale. Yes. Like, and trying to lose weight and probably losing and regaining the same 15 to 20 pounds, like over, over five to 10 years. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's just, you know, like, uh, to be on the other side of this is just like, why did I give that so much power? Why, yeah. you know, that was such a waste of time and like energy when I should have been worried about like, how do I feel? Right. Do I like the, do I like the way that I look? <laughs> do I right. like, am I strong? Can I, right. can I lift myself up when I, <laughs> when I get out of a chair like you know these are you know it's more so about the quality of your life that kind of thing I think if like if I even now if I like try to lose any weight it's more so because I'm getting older and I'm thinking about like the tension on my knees and things like that and if I want to keep like running um that might be something I want to consider you know I'm waiting for the study that's going to come out that says, well, hopefully we get the study that <laughs> links BMI to COVID because, you know, there's been surface types of studies like, you know, the highest rates of COVID come from the countries that have the highest rates of obesity. But um, yeah, and, but what, is know, that, what is that saying? I uh, know it's, it's very complicated, but at the same no, time, no, no. um, what is it? Uh, correlation does not equal in, impl- causation. Yeah. Yes. So I think it's more so like also these places with the health with the with the higher rates of obesity. It's just like what's also what's your access to healthcare like looking right. Looking- <laughs> you have to remember they might be looking weaponizing like, this story. Like, so- right. They could be totally weaponizing the story to well, be like, I mean, I don't look at these fat <laughs> Americans. There's been a lot of like COVID uh, books and, and things like that on also how uh, systemic racism is like really embedded in BMI also and right things like that. So it's just, I don't know. I've never, the BMI, I, I, I have always found offensive. <laughs> Same. I think just being a fluffy person and like going to the doctor and 
having assumptions about your life based on this number this, yeah. well, not, this number or how how pe- how people look at you and view you or perceive your uh, yes appearance. exactly yeah. and they're so they're just like oh she's not healthy it's just like well actually <laughs> right and you know I'm not I'm not like a marathoner but uh right yeah, I'm like not I don't have diabetes you know like I had the one doctor was like oh well you must have diabetes and I'm sure you have hypertension and, and I'm sure none of have, those you have uh I'm sure you you have uh what is it like I mean they were like looking for stuff because it was just like well you you are fat so it's, it must be a bunch of stuff wrong with you so and for a short person it, it really never ever looked good because the you look at the extremes the taller you get and the shorter you get the less reliable or less the worse your BMI looks yeah um because it's based on your height and weight and not any other factors it's that's literally all it's based on and so of course a short person (laughs) the shorter you are the higher your bmi tends to be it's all in context right bmi is very complicated it's yeah i like that you brought in the causation correlation part because there's always context behind this story right are they using it to weaponize the fact that, or, or, or to justify that, yes, the United States has been irresponsible. You don't need that study. <laughs> you don't need a fat study. <laughs> you don't need a fat study to, you know, I shouldn't say fat well, study. Uh, you don't well, need a BMI. There's actually a whole like uh, Twitter convo about this um, this morning. What is it? The, the 1619 project is talking about like how, like how, uh, healthcare got affiliated with having a job like hmm. why they're linked and things like that and it's because they were like trying to avoid giving healthcare to black people because they didn't yeah. deem that black people one that they needed it they don't need healthcare we're not worthy of healthcare but also they don't want to yeah. give it to you so they get they put it associated it with jobs that black people couldn't get right you d- you you don't you don't invest in expendable things right mm, that was that's deep. basically what <laughs> you know that 1619 project is like the gift that keeps on giving it is anything it is. that you like name a topic <laughs> right what's what's the policy also happening is there policies happening around these things that we're uncovering with these with these studies <laughs> i'm not sure i don't know but i think that that is the ho- the hopeful thing about the world ending i think that um people realized how little that government people cared about them man what i think <laughs> when you like compare you know us to like um i don't know australia or new zealand or you Sweden. know yeah <sighs> Iceland like anybody else is just like they're looking at us like you lost a half a million people why yeah and we really we really don't have anything other than our government deemed that that was an acceptable loss and so um I'm really proud and happy of Georgia for flipping blue and um all the organizers that that helped that happen because I I think it definitely makes me hopeful that um, not only will, that I know that the change might not all come at once, but 
it's helpful that we're starting to have those conversations around like, what are the systems that we have in place that have held people down instead of push them up? And um, I think at minimum having those conversations are, you know, that's the start. Like if we haven't been talking about it, then how do you do anything about something that you don't discuss? When I think about Georgia flipping blue, I think about who did that work, right? My Spellman sister, <laughs> Stacey Abrams. You, have to, you just wanted to bring up Spellman, didn't you? <laughs> you That's got to every chance you can. <laughs> you got to. You got to. Hashtag HBCU. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, sh- she's a Black woman. Black women have always been the backbone of every single movement that has gotten these policies. And so I just hope that one day people think like, okay, yes, black women were able to make that happen. We're able to vote out certain people in Alabama too, right? Like it's happening all over. Black women are changing ballots, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The demographics of ballots, literally change the demographic of ballots wherever you look. And yet we are still paid (laughs) the least. We still suffer from some of the craziest healthcare and um, social inequalities despite having you know moved this progressive agenda further and further than any other group right right (laughs) what other group has been able to do this this change so i hope the end of the world (laughs) doesn't i hope the world doesn't end on you know end on that um (laughs) because come too far kind of thing Um, but what well I don't I think that's the thing though I think that uh co- building a coalition is has been like the highlight where it's just like not only can we do it as black women but we can get others to see how they benefit or how they also uh can help out and so like the, you know the whole concept of being an ally or um, you know, the fact that, you know, Native Americans played such a role as far as like getting uh, things to flip in Arizona. So it's, you know, I think that it's not just one of us, like we're, we're not here for the, for the great hope, you know, we're not looking for right. the next Obama, you know, we have to be the change we want to see that kind of thing. Right. So I think that that definitely gives us hope. Speaking of the world ending, um, no, no indication other than the news saying that there is heightened caution that there was going to be what it was on January 6th. I just like couldn't, I was just more so like in shock of like just what was going on. Like exactly. Shock Shock was, yes. Shock was the theme of the day. Cause yeah, I remembered, I remember now I was like, I was still kind of, kind of getting over being sick. And I was just like, this is really happening. Where are, where, where is, where are the soldiers, right? Where, I, said, I said to my husband, I said, why aren't they, why aren't they shooting? Why aren't they shooting back? Cause I and just you, felt like if this had been us, right, exactly. That there would be dead any bodies other group. all over the front of the Capitol. Like I just right? couldn't. The only thing that I have to compare it to is the the terrorist attack like of of 9-11, just in the shock and awe and surprise. 
um, definitely not, you know, comparison with regards to the deaths, but just being, just seeing, seeing this type of thing on TV. I think that was the 9-11 was the first time I had ever seen anything like that, like minute for minute on uh, TV. My mom was telling me that, you know, uh, she had seen the aftermath of the uh, Martin Luther King assassination on TV. And she said that, you know, being a, being young, uh, she thought that it was the end of the world. I think for me, it just seemed fictional just because I am like a, like I said, I'm a horror movie buff and I like action films and stuff like that. So it just didn't seem real to me that this was like happening. Right. This is happening less than two miles from where I'm where I'm sitting yeah I mean you've been you know you've been walking around and and done work in DC it just doesn't seem logical I want to say we've seen protests before right it's part of the DC culture right that's true to know and to be able to navigate you know if you're going to participate or if you're not going to participate and of course and, and nobody was very accepting of those things too right, like, you know right. like okay that's their freedom to do that but this was something that was completely different we had never seen people act in such i, I want to say with such malice to transition and land the plane so to speak mars landing i'm so excited about it I watched the documentary, lots of PBS this week. I watched the documentary on um, on Mars or collecting samples on Mars from PBS Nova. And I love your Instagram post <laughs> about the Mars landing. So why, how does the Mars landing end up on our end of the world, right? It seems like it should be a happy thing. But if you think about it, uh, we have to literally go to another planet to see if it is habitable or how we can make it habitable because Earth is not going to last, right? For all the, of course, there's all kinds of science. <laughs> you wouldn't all- want to tell me to say like, and this is why I was like, I'm maybe Mars could end on a, on a spark of hope we, for, we for are. our children gotta- that are going through these things we and are. don't are. see a future for themselves and we and are children like, children are we not gotta leave because to climate change and the world is gonna explode uh it's real stephen hawking said it look at <laughs> google it he said if we do not stephen leave hawking this earth we will not be here okay and i you know he know things okay all right he you be know <laughs> right he be knowing <laughs> all right it's also a time to be reflective because truth the things that you do not conquer come back to conquer you. And so if we as a society like can't do things like take care of each other and have like diplomatic relations uh, go on within our country, like that, that hatred and that trauma and that just stress and anxiety are things that we will take with us beyond earth. And so I think that's the thing that really needs to be the point like for for a lot of people the world is ending all the time like it's ending every day you know especially now people are going hungry and missing relatives and things like that it's not what's happening to us it's what it's what we decide to do about it and so we're ending this podcast with the hope that yes despite the fact that your world might be ending 
that you decide to do something about it. 